Hi everyone, welcome to the Local Bites podcast. I'm Amin Yazdani, your host. It's not easy to start and run a local restaurant. There's a big upfront investment, tight margins, and lots of hard work. Some might say you need to be a little bit crazy to run a successful restaurant. Yet we all know amazing local entrepreneurs who take on this challenge every day. These people make our local communities stronger. Every week, I host one of these amazing people to share their story. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Josh. Josh started Yankee Doodle Dandies with the money that he won on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yes, you heard that right. While attending college down south, he discovered his love for good fried chicken. Fast forward to 2012, Josh moved to New York City to try his hand at finance, but quickly realized he didn't want to be the next wolf of Wall Street. Instead of studying for his broker exam, he brainstorms exit plans. And just like that, the idea of Yankee Doodle Dandies was born from his Wall Street office. With no cash to start, Josh turned to the TV game show for capital, and that paid it. By 2013, he opened his first food truck, and Yankee Doodle Dandies became famous on the streets of New York City for his southern fried chicken. These days, Josh runs three trucks and is the president of New York City Food Truck Association. Welcome to Local Bites, Josh. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So let's let's start with my first questions. Because you wanted to start a brick and mortar restaurant before the food truck, but then you pivoted the, the idea into a food truck. Take me through that process. What, what happened? Right. So if you go back, if you go on YouTube and you YouTube, who wants to be a millionaire Halloween episode, you'll find my episode of who wants to be a millionaire. And, uh, I never once mentioned food trucks because I hadn't thought about it at that point. Um, I keep talking about starting uh, chicken tender restaurants. And so, uh, when I got the money from millionaire, I definitely didn't win enough to start a restaurant in New York City, and it was right at like the height of the food truck boom. So around 2010 to 2012 was really like when food trucks became this like unique niche in New York City, and you could have been selling anything and making money. So of course, my timing was almost there, but just a little bit late, and I started in November of 2013. So uh, it was just really out of necessity because I didn't have enough to start restaurants because in New York, um, especially pre-pandemic, when you go to property owners, the requirements to start stores were pretty intense, especially from a capital perspective. Um, yeah. So when you're, when you're balling on a budget, food trucks are the way. So, so when you started the, your food truck in New York City, there's food trucks and takeouts and restaurants on every corner. What made Yankee Doodle Dandies uh, so unique uh, and to stand out from the crowd? So I think one of the things that made it unique was that it was all American themed. Like, you know, you don't really see when I, when I meet other street vendors, they're always like, so where are you from? And I'm like, America. By being like this typical guy next door, you know, all American dude in the food truck business, it was kind of a unique thing because, you know, and it's not that there's anything wrong with people from other countries doing it, just uncommon for an American dude to be doing it. Um, and so starting off, I kind of didn't know what the hell I was doing from a branding perspective. I designed the wrap of my first food truck and you could tell that a guy who had no idea about marketing designed the wrap of my truck because it didn't make me any money. And so um, it like when we hit the ground, it was, I remember chasing people up and down Fifth Avenue, like begging them to try the food. Like, <laughs> I, the very first day I opened, it was, 
it was, it was crazy. I'll, I'll never forget. We, everything was like brand new. Like, you know, everything was polished, sparkly, and everyone had brand new Yankee Doodle Dandies t-shirts on. And we open up the, the awning and we're all ready. And we just stand there and we're just standing there and nobody's coming up to the truck. Wait for somebody to come through. Begging. And uh, so the first day out, we made 180 bucks. And I was like, wow, this is going to be tough. So if you could make it the analogy to like a horse, it's like if the, the gates opened, we stumbled got kicked in the face by another horse, <laughs> broke my leg, and then crawled through the first lap. And uh, that's kind of where I was at for the first couple of years. So first couple of years dealing with all of that. And then now you have your third uh, truck open. So you went from one truck to, to the second truck, I think it was 2015, and then uh, to the third truck in 2017. How did you change that? How did you change the momentum that was like, as you described it, very hard to start with to make it so that you can actually start your second and third food truck with that. Right. It was a lot of tenacity. That was kind of been the ticket to to my, if I had to write like a memoir or a movie about my life, tenacity or some sort mm -hmm. of hustle would definitely be in the calculation of the title. Um, because I think a lot of people probably would have quit when they went through what I did when I first started it. So the second truck that I got, um, wasn't even, it's still not even my truck. It's the owner of the, so in New York city, everyone that does the right way parks their trucks at commissaries. So commissaries are like centralized depots where you like plug in your truck with electricity. You yep. have like all your supplies there. So the owner of my commissary has become like the grandfather, my Greek grandfather, who you never would want. And he's <laughs> it's like a love hate relationship. You know, honestly, like in, in the movie about my life, he would be in it as like the ball buster who like really <laughs> just gave me tough love. Uh, I, he's done it from a position where he's experienced. He doesn't have any sons. And I think he viewed me as like a son that he almost had to give that tough love to, um, mm -hmm. for me to be successful. He was like a, a Mr. Miyagi that didn't pull punches, but yeah. So he actually let me rent his food truck and that's how I got the second one. Um, and then when I rebranded, the rebrand was huge in that. And so we actually rebranded this truck that I rented. So so we're gonna come to that rebrand. Take me through the biggest challenges for your first tr truck, the first couple of years. What were the biggest challenges that you were dealing with and how did you overcome that? Um, I, I guess, like I said, just not quitting. Like I would park, so some of the big dogs in the food truck business at the time were like Corilla Barbecue. Um, they were on that great food truck race. I, I'll never forget, I'd be up at like 5.30 in the morning, five o'clock in the morning getting my parking spot at 47th and park the first time i ventured into midtown manhattan and i'd be there these guys would roll up at like 11 15 park in the no standing in front and just eat the 115 dollars ticket and they would have a line like 40 people deep before i even opened the window wow. and like so these guys had that like it factor and like how i overcame that was just really believing in my food my menu was so it was priced so cheaply um, from where I'm at now. And I still wasn't having any luck. It was, I was giving out samples. I was really trying to like present my food um, as a unique offering. And so I think one of the challenges that I had was that my food, even though it's chicken tenders, right? Like who doesn't know what chicken tenders are? But like there's these chicken tender restaurants that are around the rest of the country that people are absolutely crushing it with, like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like, um, you know, Chick-fil-A growing up, I went to college in the South. There was no Chick-fil-A in, in Connecticut or New Jersey or New York where I grew up. And so when I heard these kids in the South talking about it, it was essentially like 
having to educate people what good fried chicken can be because it was almost viewed as like a, as not really a lunch offering. There's certain foods that just make sense from a lunch perspective in New York and chicken has just been added to the menu, so to speak, of what people eat on a regular basis. Pizza certainly was there. Hot dogs were like the old school one. Now people like the chicken with rice. You know what I mean? So like, I think one of the keys is finding the appropriate food for your audience. And then hope, hopefully there's another company that's done the groundwork for you that like people are familiar with your food. I had to like educate people what good chicken was. Um, and I thought it would be something that would be easier. But once Chick-fil-A opened up in my city, it, I actually saw my sales go up. That's interesting. People knew more about chicken. So now they are actually looking at other options, not just Chick-fil-A. Exactly. That's super interesting. So you mentioned the rebranding. I, I, want, I want you to take me through that because storytelling is a key ingredient of strong brand. So take me through all of that. And like, how did you rebrand the, the, the food trucks and how did you create the Yankee Doodle Dandies uh, branding and story? Right. So when I first came out with my truck, um, I literally, des I walked these guys through who designed my logo on how I wanted the truck to look. And I mean, it, in retrospect, it had no real value as what the, it looked like I was selling antiques. Like I had mm -hmm. the guys on Iwo Jima lifting the American flag. It's Memorial Day today. So it's kind of, you know, that's cool. But I had like the, the Liberty Bell. I had like the, the actual Statue of Liberty, like on there, just like, it didn't look like food. It looked like I was selling like maybe like little copies of the constitution or declaration of independence <laughs> like people it didn't sp speak food and i thought like the all-american aspect would really like attract tourists or something but it really did nothing for me and so i did a, a reddit ama um and asked me anything that shot up to the front page and it became like one of the most popular amas like ever and it was the title of it was i'm the owner of a new york city food truck that's failing ask me anything and so <laughs> I mean, it started off really cool because like people were like, dude, I love your story. I'm sorry it's not working out for you. You know, we love how you won the money and who wants to be a millionaire. It's a great story. And then like the trolls came out like at midnight. They came out and they're like, <laughs> you're a disgrace to your family. And I'm like, gee, what's going on, dude? Like, why is everyone being so mean? And all these people were like giving me all this advice. Now that I'm 10 years in the business, all that advice I was getting was absolute trash. Like a lot of it, and I don't sound like really arrogant when I say that, but like these, these people on Reddit were just like ragging on me. I don't know why, but this one guy sent me a message and he was like, dude, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to make like Americana cool and like fit New York. And like, you need to reach out to this guy, this artist. And so I looked up this artist and I looked at his work and it was like totally like Brooklyn hipstery, like hand-drawn stuff like got that like old-timey like vibe and i saw it and i was like dude this stuff is cool like because he, he, he is genuinely patriotic but like he's like brooklyn hipstery cool and like mm -hmm. you know he's um his name's john cantino and so i hit him up and he's honestly become like a friend of mine and he was working with like major brands like he was working with like sports illustrated he designed like the logo for like the chicago white Sox and the brooklyn nets like he was doing major stuff and so here's this dude that owns a failing food truck and i was like dude can you rebrand for me and so i i basically harassed this guy for like months like this goes back to like the tenacity thing of like you know me being a hustler like not quitting i like basically was like bothering him like every month i would send him an email like bro can you help me can you help me and eventually he's like Stop bothering me. I'll rebrand it for you. And so I actually rebranded that second truck that I was telling you that I didn't even own. And so I don't know if any of your listeners are poker players, but I did the old all-in shove on this maneuver here. And yeah. so 
Um, when you have food trucks, the like the if you see the decorative piece on the outside is actually a vinyl sticker, and so the application of that sticker is generally like between four and six thousand dollars just to get the wrap on there. So I won't get into his business details, but he cut me a serious break, and I basically worked out a deal where I gave him everything I had, and I would pay off. The, what I owed him in the balance month over month for like six months. And like, that's the best deal I can make. And I literally put everything I had on this rebrand. So suffice it to say, when I come out with this truck that I'm renting wrapped in this new wrap, new branding, the first day out with it, I was all nervous. And, uh, we actually did, had the best day that we'd ever had at that point. It was like by far the best day we've ever had. And all it was, was the branding. And so I was like, all right, there's going to be hope for this. So that's like when it really started taking off. And so the food stayed the same. He rebranded the menus, like the logo, the wrap of the truck and like the location stayed the same, but our sales like doubled, tripled. And like, we really started taking off. And so like, I owe a lot to this guy. Um, you know, I, I'm a really loyal guy by nature. Like I've, I'll always have like a, a special spot for his contribution um, because I feel like I wouldn't be where I am without his effort, you know. That is amazing. So the branding definitely is, is, is an important aspect of a, of a food truck, like being able to be visible and, and get people to actually come and give, give it a try. Of course, you need to have good good food. hundred percent. What about location? You mentioned location. You mentioned the first time that you uh, ventured into the Midtown Manhattan. How did you find the right location for your food truck? Well, how much of a trial and error went into that? And how did you finally decide on where to park the truck? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things about food trucks is the food trucks in execution are like one of the purest exercises of capitalism there is in New York City. So, like, if you want to know where like a vibrant economic location is, pay attention to where food trucks are parking and repetitively going. Because if they're, if trucks aren't there, if you see trucks there and they stop going, that means there's no money there. And yeah. so that means don't open a store there. That's, <laughs> that's my advice as a New Yorker. And like, you know, I don't know how it works in other towns, but in, in our town, it's like, if there's a spot that works for the trucks, it becomes like a, it becomes a food truck block and the trucks go. Um, and you'll generally see the same food trucks, uh, if they make it on a repetitive basis. And so how much does location play a factor? So a lot of trucks take the approach in New York, um, especially like niche food, right? Like if you have like a ethnic food, that's not kind of like something people eat every day, they have a real tendency to not want to oversaturate by being in the same location every day. So in New York, it's like the college schedule, right? Like you had class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, like that was kind of like the schedule for for certain trucks. If your food is like a little bit more popular, you can get away with like the three, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. Some trucks are a different spot every day and they're killing it and it works out for them. Um, so location, I mean, this is New York City. There's so many amazing places to park, but there's a lot that are restricted by the government here and like yeah. the city. So um, location's huge, uh, but more importantly than the location is definitely your food. Like you can be in the best spot in the city. Like I park next to trucks that, you know, they come to my spot because they think I've got to figure out based on location. Like they'll like stalk my schedule and then they'll realize right away it's not just the location. It's like the food, the brand, you know, the food is obviously the most important. The food, of course, is the most important one because you, you, that's why people will, will come back again. Uh, what was the secret sauce? What changed that doubled your revenue overnight that, that made you made the best day ever? 
I mean, you can go on my Instagram, it's at USA Food Truck, and take a look at how my trucks look now. And if you scroll down to the beginning of my Instagram, you'll see like what the trucks used to look like. And I mean, it's night and day. I mean, New York is truly like the most competitive capitalistic city there is. Because if you're not bringing your A game on all the fronts here, you're not going to make a living. Like there's so like I want every food truck in front of me, behind me, I want every one of their customers. And if you're not bringing your best, like I'm going to take your customers. I'm friends with these guys, but like at the end of the day, it's, you know, I want, I think my food is the best. I, I put my effort in there to be the best, but as far as the secret sauce and the branding is, I think I found the guy to design my brand who captures the essence of a New Yorker, like Americana, New Yorker, like Americana can kind of be cheesy and tacky. I repackaged it and made it like cool. Like there'll be a row of trucks and my truck will stand out. Like people will take pictures of my truck, especially like foreign tourists and stuff. Like I get people stopping by my truck all the time to take pictures. Like when I'm at big festivals, my truck stands out and be why? Because I invested on the front end. Like it cost me a lot of money to do this. A lot of guys think they'll like put like a stock photo of like a chicken chef and like, you know, think it's, oh, it's good enough. You know what I mean? I think if you're really believing in your food, you got to present it in a way that makes it unique and stand out. And that's definitely, I think, kept us afloat when a lot of other food trucks have failed um, because my food has always been there. Like my food is legit. But then from the branding, like I have like a legit brand. I think I think I am poised to become like something serious in large part due to my branding. That's very interesting. What about the marketing tactics or promotional tactics? You mentioned giving away like uh, samples when you started. Are you doing any of that or did you do any of that after your rebrand to sort of push that out to people? What, what, what other promotional tactics do you use right now? Certainly. So, I mean, a lot of those, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to write a book someday. So I'm going to sell <laughs> the book. So I can't give you all my, my secrets. I'll, I'll write the book on how to start a food truck. But as far as marketing, um, I am definitely not, the best at that. Like I was a finance major building your social media is definitely key. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget. I did a catering job. This hurricane hit long Island and this hurricane relief company, um, or it was like a construction company had like a couple hundred slash thousand guys there. And they called food trucks out there to feed their guys. And, um, so the owner of the company was like blown away by my food when he tried it. He's like, dude, I want to invest. Like, let's make some money. Your food is freaking good. So he's like, how many followers do you have on Instagram? And I was like, I don't know, like 1,100. He's like, are you serious about your business? Like, how do you only have, you've been doing this for like seven years and you have 1,100 followers on Instagram? He's like, you need to get those numbers up. Like, if you want to be considered like legit business, social media is so key. So I took that seriously and I really put an effort to build it. Now we've got, I think, just over 7,000. Um, so, you know, not like a ton, you know, crazy amount, but it's building. It's going more and more every day. Like, I always ask my customers if they want to follow us. And like, I try to put engaging tweets and like, um, you know, we post where our location is every day. So uh, from a marketing perspective, social media, like if you see Chef, um, the movie Chef with John Favreau. Yeah. One of the things his kid did was put uh, like a tweet out where he is. And we do that like every day. Um, it doesn't necessarily draw like the huge crowds like it did in his, his movie, but, you know, it helps our regulars know where we're at because you don't always get your spot in New York. You know what I mean? What about the story of being on the, who wants to be a millionaire? How did that help Yankee Doodle Dandy's uh, story? And Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in my, in my true, uh, my true Saxon luck here, when, uh, I did film, when I, my show aired, I did the Halloween episode in, uh, 2012. And so anyone that's a New Yorker in 2012 of Halloween knows what happened. It was, uh, 
exactly when Hurricane Sandy hit. So when my episode aired in my target market, my true luck there, I nobody in New York City saw my episode. Um, so as far as it being like this thing, like, oh my God, we got to try this guy's food when he gets here. I didn't have any such luck. Um, I, I've gotten a lot of uh, help. You know, I've been on various news stories. Like people have carried my story. Like people love my story. I've had people tell me they want to make movies and like write. There's a lady right now that's writing a news article about my story. It's definitely helped because there's a lot of places to get food from. Um, but there's only one guy that started a food truck with money that you want on who wants to be a millionaire. I tell people I'm the Sundog millionaire from Queens. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think having that as a competitive advantage, like some people will attach a sort of love to a brand. Like I've always been trying to figure out like what sets certain brands and gives them that it factor that like, you know, I, I see these like these different brands and it's like, how are they so like Chick-fil-A? We'll go back to Chick-fil-A. Like, how are they so incredibly popular? Cause like, I won't lie to you. I think my chicken is way better. Like they, they brine theirs in pickle juice. Like there's no real seasoning in the chicken. For me, it's like a really basic palate food. It's not like a foodies food. Like there's so the Chick-fil-A sauce is tremendous. I won't lie to you. That's really good. But try their chicken tenders and then try my chicken tenders. And you're gonna be like, how is this the most successful fast casual restaurant in the world? Like, but to go back to the, to, to where, what the branding is, it's just, something about certain brands just goes and you start to like wonder about human nature. I'm like, is it luck? I mean, Mm -hmm. what is it that like makes it go? And so I hope people someday kind of attach themselves to my story because my food is there. Now I just got to like package it and become that thing that I know I should be. It's just a means to get more people to come and try your food. And like, you're basically believing your food enough to know what once they try it, they're going to come back again. Yeah. That's generally what happens. Yep. So, so take, tell me through, through that part of it. You mentioned you are using social media right now just to let the, the people that are following you know like if you did, don't get your regular spot in the day. How do you build that loyal customer base for your food truck and to keep those people to come back to your food truck day after day? Yeah, so I'm good friends with um, a guy that owns a coffee cart across sixth Avenue from where I park every morning. So every morning I get up at like four o'clock in the morning and I drive my food. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Uh, I drive my truck to sixth Avenue. I park and I walk over there and he is uh, just a regular street hustling dude. But he, the, he referred to it. He said he captured his essence perfectly the other day. He, he told me that he is a, your, your morning bartender. So when people walk up, he remembers everyone's name. He's like the, like I referred to myself before as like the guy next door. And that's kind of what I want to be to my customers when they come up to the truck. Mm -hmm. Like I go, I, and it's genuine. Like, you know, I was on food stamps when I started this business. My life hit like really bad lows. Like, you know, it was, it was rough. And so when people come to my truck to like get food, like some people might think my energy is like fake. Like I'm, I'm polarizing. Some people think I'm, you know, used car salesman-ish, whatever. I've been called out at all. And I got thick skin because of it, whatever. I'm a New Yorker. Um, it's genuine. When you come to my truck, I, I am so glad that you came and chose my food to eat. When I put my whole heart and soul into this, I put everything I got. Like I'm up at four o'clock in the morning and then I park one truck and then I go to the gym and then I take the seven train back to Queens and then my wife picks me up and then I take out another truck and I'm doing stuff because I believe in my brand. And so how do you get the people to come back? First of all, it's got got to be the food. I will throw out food that is, you know, it's right on the verge of like, you know, being in that 10 minutes of not being crispy. Like I would rather cook it fresh and have them wait five minutes than like give them something that's not going to be to the standard of what my brand is. So like, how, how do you really hook them? Like, 
giving them that real love. Like my right hand guy, Ryan, like, you know, he's my partner. He's uh, I met him in grad school. Like he, he's really great. Like doing the kind of the shtick of the New York city food trucker guy next door. Like we're talking sports, you know, mm-hmm. whatever New York team is doing bad. We'll complain about whatever he's doing good. <laughs> we'll complain about, you know what I mean? Um, you give them that, that energy. I think really the secret is, and I'm sure most people in the food business know in hospitality, a lot of, a lot of chefs, back of house people don't really have the, the uh, people skills. You know, they're more introverted in the kitchen. You got to really be approachable because people want to know who's making their food, who's the brand, uh, suspend your ego and just put it out there. Like, you know, people are so surprised. I'm Southern educated. I'd say, sir, ma'am. Um, you know, like I said, given that respect, but like New York speed with like a little bit of hospitality, genuine love in your food, um, it goes a long way. And so people know that that's why we've been around for 10 years when a lot of food trucks in New York haven't, why we have three trucks. That's awesome. Well, what's next? What's next for you? Are you now thinking about uh, the restaurant idea again? Is that going to stay food truck? So yeah, we didn't really go on over that, but so when I was on Millionaire, I said I was going to win, uh, you know, Money Start Restaurants, and I did the food truck thing for eight years, and then I finally got enough money to get a store. And one of my buddies in the food truck business owned uh, the Papaya King, um, which was a famous hot dog brand that started back in the day by a Greek guy. Uh, he ended up buying the brand, and he had the restaurants. And so they had a restaurant on Forty Street and Seventh Avenue, and he knew I was really hungry for stories like Josh. Do you want to take over mm-hmm. the lease? So I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do the damn thing. So then COVID hit and then the city became a ghost town, obviously for, so that those months rolled by January, February, March, April, May, June, July, December, we opened and I'd owed the landlord back rent for every single one of those months. So I owed the guy about 300 grand, um, before I even opened, before I sold food to anybody. And so New York's tough right now. I mean, it's not back, you know? Um, it's definitely a way a lot further than it was. Thank God the events are coming back. You know, I'm yeah. able to make a living on the street again, but I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, it's a three day work week. Everyone's working from home. Um, the offices, the skyline is empty. You know, there's trucks, trucks aren't making it right now. It's, it's not easy. You see a lot of retail for lease. Uh, I don't think people realize just how much damage has been done to this town. And, uh, so I'm looking Outside of Manhattan, if I, if the right deal would come about in Manhattan, um, I'm thinking percentage rents. Like I think what landlords, would they get a taste of letting these things sit vacant for a while? What you need is city council to levy vacancy tax because these landlords would rather just let it sit vacant. And they're offering leases that just don't make sense for you know guys like me that want to run a business. They want, they want these pre-COVID rents and it just doesn't make sense. And I see it on the street for my trucks. You know what I mean? And a way you fix that is the vacancy tax and uh, make them charge like an actual market-based rent. You know what I mean? They're not being fair to people that actually make the city go. Yeah, absolutely. So one final uh, thread I wanted to pull on, and that is your current role as a president of the New York City Food Truck Association. what is the future of food trucks in your mind? What are you seeing in terms of emerging trends or technological advancement? And how do you foresee that their impact on, on the industry? Yes. Yeah, so there's there's some interesting stuff coming about. You know, city council, uh, they're making all these like rules that make it so much harder on us, like bike lanes popping up that were used to be food truck spots. Um, you know, so that, that encroaches on like a lot of places where we actually survive. And now they're making mandates where like, you know, you got to have battery powered stuff. And if anybody's Mm -hmm. ever fried food with a electric fryer, 
um, or even grilled with like an electric grill. Electric frying is like you're going to basically make the quality of the food drop so much. Like th these guys do these things that sound good on paper, like city council. And then in execution is just insane. Like you cannot operate a quality business in New York City doing that. And it's just like, I get where they're coming from, but like you're going to destroy people's ability to make a living. If you try to fry chicken on a battery, on an electric fryer, that fryer is going to last for about 30 minutes. And then if you get a rush of like 30 people when it tries to recover, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to operate. It's a tough market for sure. It's a tough market and, and super crowded. Looking back, if you could give your past self a piece of advice before you started the food truck business, what would that piece of advice be? The, the best piece of advice I could have given myself um, would probably be to work on the branding right out the gate and the caterings, the bookings. I always thought that my brand would take off on its own. Like people would realize how good my food is and I would start being like halal guys, you know, like where you have these like they're doing like $10,000 lunches. You know what I mean? Like it's insane what they're doing. Definitely just focus on the caterings and like grab the money that's out there. You know what I mean? And uh, there's such an intense amount of money in like caterings and like events. And yeah, so that's a whole nother discussion. Like I said, I'll write a book about it. Absolutely. That requires another hour of us, us talking about more and more topics. Absolutely. Josh, thank you so much for sharing your time and your knowledge with, with, with our listeners. I really appreciate your time. And uh, for everyone listening, thank you for joining us on this week's episodes of Local Bites. We hope these conversations left you feeling inspired and equipped to tackle your own challenges. Join us again next time for more tips and tricks and insider information from local restaurants and coffee shop owners just like yourself. Until next time. Thanks, Josh. No problem. Thanks for having me. Keep working hard, everybody.